Hello and broadcasting okay. from the now beautiful central coast of now California. It's the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show. Like, like right now, like right now, basically. Take one. Well, we've already like started it. Okay? Oh. We're like starting it. Obviously, there's only one take. Right? Lights, no, camera, no action. I don't do editing unless shit, yeah. unless audio is fucked. Right. But yeah. seriously, I don't know why anyone would over edit podcasts. <laughs> I get it. If dudes suck and they keep going, I'm like, you need to do that trick. But you know, there's also a trick to that. Get good at talking on the fucking podcast, which I can't say I'm the best, but I tried. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Triple D Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. You know what? Don't worry. Hey, I'm on a chill moon. Wait, what's up, everybody? Uh, my, I'm Edward. You know, the thing about podcasting is it's a lot like wrestling. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is charisma. And if, and, and if, and if charisma is too pretentious of a word, uh, it's just, it's just about, I don't know how approachable and chill you are. Like, I'd like to think we're decently approachable dudes. Maybe not, you know. Oh, well, here's the thing. We have the charisma out when friggin' when we're like talking about things. We're not interviewing cool people. Yeah, not yet. I don't know if we ever will, but you know, never say never. Never say never. I don't know who the fuck we bother to interview, but. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there should be reason to stop us. No, why but not? I'm not going to go out and try to interview people. Yeah. Usually. We have a pretty set show that usually takes me like a good like 15 minutes to set up with the equipment mm-hmm. and get us running. Yeah. And I'm sure it's just I don't want to get more on that because that's annoying. Yeah. But obviously hey, it'd be nice if it magically was just all there. I just turn on power. You know, maybe if we had a boom, we fucking go. Yeah, maybe, if, you know, maybe if we had a bigger room, we could just like because we sort of did this at the old at the old space where just you could just have this stuff just plugged or at least set up like all the time. Yeah, but not this room. Not this room. I got to still conserve space. We have to share it with people. Yes, quite a few people. Here's the, if I had fuck off money, <laughs> I wouldn't be sharing with people. I love that term. But I don't. You know, you said set show and boy, we got a set show today. We got yes, some cool stuff. What is the lineup? As listeners, remember, we do have time stamps. If you ever want to jump forward to something, it's so, totally fine. So the three, so the three technically. The stamps work too. <laughs> Yes, the three technically four segments are uh, life catch up, which is technically right now slash introduction, hot or not. We've got the third Who album, the Who sell out, mm-hmm. and our main event, a With- very very meaty main event. In the sense of this was a thick ass movie. We watched the new fucking Batman with Pattinson. Well, we watched Pattinson. it in theaters, and yes. I don't think. And like I was sitting next to you and other people, yeah. So I don't think I just whip out my phone and just be writing my own personal notes and cracking jokes. We're gonna take good friend Bone Steel's advice and do something new and modern, and not not our potpourri uh, usual shenanigans. Although it's still potpourri shenanigans. No, this is now we're doing something up to date. Yeah, something. Yeah, something that's. Uh, Oh, anything you want to share about life? I'm kind of a little bit low key this week. Maybe you say something; it might jog my memory. Well, you know, a couple cool things happened to me this week. First, uh, the new Ghost album came out. Which, okay, so everyone jokes how the the new each new Ghost album like goes up a decade in terms of like sound or inspirations. Like the first two albums are like, oh, the you answer know, is like evil 60s music and then you know the joke for uh the next two albums were like oh this is like late 60s and 70s this next album this album they just released 
felt very 80s. Uh, and let me tell you, I, I got to say something right now. I know I'm probably going to get the terms fucked up. Ghost's drum production is exquisite. They have like the biggest, wettest drums you've ever heard in your life on a studio album. And they sound real, too. I mean, they've always got good guitar and bass. That's what I like about them. You can hear everything. None of this modern bullshit where it's just like, oh, let's turn the treble all the way up and make the bass non-existent so our bass pedals feel like flat, flat bass pedals. Yeah, bass pedal on drums where they oh, feel like mean, flat little flicks. Oh yeah, you know? the kick drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like where the and where you, yeah, and where you can only and where you can't really hear the bass. But no, nah, it's great. There's some like decently almost like I don't want to say pro progressive like proggy, but there's a lot of different. This is one of their more unique sounding albums, and they're already a unique band. But that happened, and thanks to you. I'm what me and thanks. What well, I do? Well, no, not ghosts, but thanks to you, I'm slowly on the road to getting back in the wrestling slash giving a shit about wrestling again. Oh yeah, because you and I were looking up Brock Lesnar clips. Oh yeah, just watching. Yeah, and RK Bro. Oh yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, this week Lesnar was trying to maul, like trying yeah. to drive a forklift through Roman Reigns' vehicle, <laughs> and he just rips and, you know, off the fucking just like, door. Yeah, hey, let's just do like vehicular manslaughter right now, <laughs> and then I'm just gonna come out and like get the people all excited that I with my attempt for murder. I mean, to be fair, it's Brock. It's Papa Brock, bro. Like <laughs> he legit might get away with murder. He's kind yeah. of an incredible Hulk. You need to call the military. Did you hear on his him. promo against Sami Zayn like three weeks ago? He's like, "I live in Saskatchewan. I hunt things." This is a direct quote. I hunt things in Saskatchewan. I kill things in Saskatchewan. So what the hell do you want? And Sami Zayn's just like, <laughs> but. Uh, there, there was a couple things I've been binge watching off and on. Like, uh, I remembered how fucking amazing Kurt Angle was. I felt bad because I finally watched that Perk Angle video you told me about by Marky, whatever his oh, name is. Oh, yeah. What do you think of my boy Marky? Okay, no, he's cool. Um, I, 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 he's I, got I, good videos. Yeah, yeah, he does. I actually agree with him on some stuff. I appreciate that. I mean, he's not the only one, I'm sure, throughout YouTube's history, but I appreciate there's actually someone on YouTube advocating, like, hey, I swear to God, you assholes, TNA was good for like seven years, more or less. But um, I remember how amazing Kurt Angle was. And honestly, not just his in-ring ability, because I, I, when, when I first started watching wrestling in like 2005, like I was aware enough that he was a good wrestler and charismatic, but I couldn't really appreciate. Like, I didn't realize what a gem I was witnessing when I watched fucking him and Shawn Michaels fight at WrestleMania, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, he's fucking funny. He's hilarious. Yeah. Like when he first showed up and had his hair and he's trying to, he's like a, this weird, like white meat baby face. And then when he had that one wrap off with John Cena and uh, back when he was thugonomics. But there's two things specifically that I really rediscovered and like connected with. First thing, have you ever watched Hulk Hogan fight Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3? Actually, I have not really. But I know what basically the match is. It's fantastic. Like, I just threw it on randomly because WWE for the last few years has been posting full matches on YouTube throughout the years. Yeah, I've been seeing that. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the ones they threw up. And, like, the crowd's electric. Hogan, you know, for all his faults, he's 
charismatic as fuck. Yeah, he's a charismatic wrestler, and he knows how to like, and he's good. Like, oh yeah, he's good. He's, he's good not wrestler. like he's all like a Bret Hart or a Shawn Michaels. Yeah, like he's not that low. But there's another level of his working that's like. Bro, he did a freaking marathon match with the Ultimate Warrior and made that good. Yeah, he made that good. Yes. <laughs> and then Andre, like, you know. Hogan is a good wrestler. Don't doubt it. Oh, yeah. I've been saying that for years. But then, you know, and Andre, you know, he's in pain a lot. He can barely move, but he's still staying there looking imposing. Like I said, crowd's electric. It's slow. Things are going. Tension's building up. Crowd's on their feet. Then Hogan hits that slam and crowd's like, holy shit, oh my God. And he wins. And I'm like, I know it's overplayed, but bro, the scoop to and slam to leg drop. Like, I remember getting goosebumps watching that as a kid. I got goosebumps watching it in my 20s for the first time. That's the first time I'd seen that match in maybe 10 years almost. But it's like, I watched that and I'm like, fuck, dude, that's professional wrestling right there. That's what, that's why I like <laughs> Hogan was really good. And then the second thing I rediscovered was, do you remember the John Cena CM Punk feud? From 2011? Yeah. It's fucking great. It's John Cena's best work. It's some of CM Punk's best work. The promos, the match. I mean, they only really had the one match I know. But Are you talking like, about like that whole year? Uh, From the pipe bomb to money in the bank. Oh, okay. That like... That How it was really only like a month or two. Oh, well, so the pipe bomb sat around for a month? About, yeah. And then they actually had the match? I thought the pipe bomb was like going straight into the pay-per-view. Well, that's it, it was like two or three weeks, so that's why I meant by about a month. But yeah, uh, I hadn't heard the pipe bomb in a long time, um, and it's one of those things I'd avoided because CM Punk was probably my first exposure in wrestling to, man, I like the wrestler, but I hate the fans, and... My hatred for CM Punk's fans made me feel like I hated CM Punk. <clears throat> but I eventually came around to that, but that's a different story. But yeah, I watched that. And then I saw their promo with each other the week after. Because <clears throat> I think, it, yeah, it because then after that, or that's the promo where I think uh, Punk called, referred to Cena as basically being the New York Yankees. You remember that one? I remember that, yeah. And then just like I rewatched the match and it's like, I totally, I always forget Meltzer gave that five stars. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think that's John Cena's only five star match, but like I'm in thinking, the Melt in the Meltzer star ratings and the Meltzer star ratings. And I'm like, but I'm like watching the match and the buildup and I'm just like, fuck, this is awesome. It kind of, it kind of, it kind of soured me because I'm thinking to myself, dude, Punk is nowhere near that electric in AEW. Like, the fans are into him, but his feud with MJF, like, you compare that to the feud with Cena, and I know it's a totally different mentality. I have to watch from both. But, like... I don't know. I was keeping up with that regular with the CM Punk and MJF feud. I mean, that was one of the and only... like... That was one of the only... At first, it yeah. was getting a little cartoony. They're just doing pot shots at each other. And once, like, MJF actually beat CM Punk in, yeah. like... Chicago and then CM Punk was able to win another match and then he's like I'm gonna throw you in a dog collar match a bloody fucking brutal match yeah that's when it really got good yeah that's when it like shifted into a fucking village a villain origin story where MJF stopped <laughs> yeah. being as cartoony said a little bit of life yeah where it's yeah. almost sympathetic where there was like it was a very like like that two weeks where like MJF does like that promo where he like talks about his life and he almost and hard, cries. Yeah. He all, well, he does like shed a tear well, yeah, he does, and he's yeah. just saying like CM Punk, you left me and everything. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to try to be better than you. 
kind of thing. And then the next week. No, that week, was great. It ended And the next great. week they do the hug and then just a brutal beatdown. Yeah. Like a big bloody beatdown. And like MJF wasn't saying stupid shit. He was just quoting old CM Punk. No, and I, I think that really helped MJF because, I mean, let's be honest, he's saying, not like, a fantastic wrestler. He's a way better talker. But I, I, I think that feud elevated him. But that's the thing. Like, that was a good feud. I would just say watch that. And then that cultivating and kind of like a, yes, it's a slow burn, but it's like kind of a fucking bloodbath of a match. Oh, no, don't like, get me wrong. I like the feud. I, I mean, I wasn't watching the TV, but, but that was I one could, of the. I that, don't know. I can't remember the CM Punk and Cena feud. <laughs> Yeah, to kind of cool. like reference back on that was that was so that was some lengthy that was some slow burn stuff I I, I can get behind. Someone pointed something out to me about the uh, this just reminded me of the 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 Kenny Hangman Page slow burn. They're like you know they're like oh yeah you know because um, we we talked about it, they're like oh man they've been building that up since the start of the company. But someone pointed out to like, me yes that, and no. But yeah, so that's the that's the thing. Like, someone pointed out that, that like hey they wanted Hangman to win. It's like the show's like he is going to be a champion one day. But then it's not going to be like that day. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it wasn't going to be day one. And that's the thing. Uh, someone pointed out to me like there was a there was like a six month period or like almost a year where Paige wasn't really doing anything, and Kenny was like off in his own world. So like the story didn't really like get acknowledged for a long time. Yeah, but that's sometimes how like there you could also like do the counter argument of like. Sometimes that's how stories are like that. At least in the yeah, it's just like sometimes it's just put off. There's no reason for it at the moment. Yeah, that's fair. Like you could say it's like, hey, man, just did, the hangar didn't want to like participate and like work towards Kenny because like yeah. they were in a successful tag team. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, they were tag team champs together. Then it split off and Kenny goes whack. And then they had that one match in the tournament. But then from there, it was just kind of building the hangman, eventually getting the Kenny. Right. Which there was like also that big like five, like that five on five elimination tag mat match where like hangman lost and stuff too. Yeah, it was I like this that. was his last chance to get the title. Then he comes back in that ladder match and wins it. And then he was going to take on old Kenny. Oh, no, that was great. And, you know, I know, you know, for, for, for some of the, so some of my, for yeah, some no, of our, law, it was just, yeah, he was off. You know what? Like over overall, just him trying to become friends with the Dark Order, and then it's yeah. like that's like he like face like he, yeah, was he turned the Dean Dark Taz. Order. He, he turned the Dark Order face. I just can't remember. He like faced Miro or something. He was doing mm. stuff on the side, but sometimes yeah. stuff on the sides like you know side quest, bro. And like you know, to to some of our fellow marks out there, I know I listed two WWE examples for helping me get back to in the wrestling. And trust me, I like other stuff, but you know, WWE's the bread and butter. You know, that's that's the childhood. So you know, I'll I'll always kind of naturally like you know go there. But I did I did check out some. I rewatched the fucking bloody ass uh, Moxley Omega fight from like two years ago. Because yeah. that was freaking sick. But yeah, so that's my, that's basically me. Cool ghost album. And you know what? Wrestling's kind of cool right now. Yeah, me is just working, just trying to conserve money, just keeping it like low key. Basically, it's like prepping for the future. Mm -hmm. Well, one, it's like you and me, like our little band, we're going to be jamming a fucking show on the beach next Friday. Hell yeah, generator time, show dog. Some generator show on the beach. And then after that, we got like, yeah, like uh, two to three weeks, like, yeah, like three weeks later. Then we're going to cruise up to Fairfield and go play a Generator Fairfield, show. Fairfield, baby. Oh, that's Generator show, too? Yeah, no, oh. skate park. Oh, yeah, that's the skate park. Yeah. And then I can chill-ish <coughs> with, like, our band. Because like, I'm like, Yeah, because I'm, like, doing double duty on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Which that was like, just getting lined up for that. It's like, if I had money, maybe I could have gone with my friends that went and saw like a freaking pretty solid like pyro violence show like two days ago and then stopped in the Nard and saw Dead Heat there. And I'm like, and they were like bothering me. It's like, hey, James, you're going to come to the Dead Heat show? I'm like, dude, I'm kind of just want to kick it back. No, no, that's I just want to have a weekend just to low key, just chill out. I'm good. Like, These young kids got all this energy. It's like, bro. I, I want a weekend we're old. where I can, yeah, we're I wanna, old. We want to chill. <laughs> I want a weekend where I could actually like you know chill out, maybe jam like bands, like like get like advancement on that, and actually fucking record a podcast and drop it at a re- on yeah. the weekend, and yeah, not yeah. like two weeks from now. Yeah, exactly. Now we'll, we'll we'll get some energy again, maybe once we get a midlife crisis in our thirties or something. But for now, we're in our late twenties and we want to vibe. Well. My pocket needs to fucking like. Well, jump yeah, your up. pocket needs to vibe. <laughs> yeah, my pocket, <laughs> my cheddar needs to vibe out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. it's slowly getting back. Slow process. But that's me with my life for the yeah. most part. I'm trying to be pl- like lame Jane, plain Jane, not doing too much excitement. Hey, listen, I mean, take take it from a guy who's I'm been- trying to do stuff that like builds to something later. At Bro, a later take date. it from a guy that's been guilt tripped by good friend Bone Steel for the better part of twelve years for never doing anything because I, oh, yeah, I'd right. rather work and he save punishing, money. Yeah, he was punishing the fuck out of me to go with him to Mania. And I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I literally was like the last minute. I was like, you know what? I could, but I'm like. I'm kind of don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Take take it for take it from me who's had to deal with who's had to deal with that guilt trip. It's like, bro, there's nothing wrong with hunkering down, saving money. I mean, the way I see it, you know, I don't I don't look at it as, oh, there will always be more good times. There'll it's just sometimes some things just don't work out and sometimes some things are more important. And your wallet got fucked because as you said a few weeks ago on this very podcast, um you didn't get you had to be on covid leave but most no jobs COVID. right now aren't giving covid pay. Well, yeah. Well, so like if the if those jobs have over 26 employees, they can get uh they can get money from the go- from the state yeah. to help pay your pay the pay the employees their covid pay. Yes. My company it does not have 26 employees. So <laughs> I'm kind of like I was boned there. Yeah. Hey, speaking of boned. Bone there. Hey, speaking of boned, um good friend Bone Steel actually sent us off. Well, I shouldn't say actually, but we got a hot or not track this week. Yes, we do. All right. Let me grab the bumper real quick and then we'll rip out hot or not. You dog I don't know why you're like playing shred air guitar while this fucking bumper's going. Because it's funny. You're laughing. <laughs> yeah. I guess you know what? Your little gag worked. Your little gaggle worked. Hell yeah, dog. So what's Jake's got for us this week? So today, he is basically... You know, I'll just let the voice memo say it. Sure. Like, I haven't even listened to the voice memo. Like, he gave me this yesterday. He just said, hey, are you doing a hot or not? I'm like, yeah, I, I'm doing a show tomorrow. If you feel it would be more convenient for your time, you can send it now. I don't care. Yeah. So what is this? What is fucking uh, good friend Jake send us? What you got, Jake's? Yeah. When you like get a play. Yeah. So this week's hot or not is uh, this dude named Andy Negative. He's like a Canadian pop punk youtuber and uh, he has this new song that honestly has been getting a lot of shit and it's subjectively (laughs) not that good but there's kind of this pushback from uh, a lot of people that have started supporting him basically from the point of view that you know uh, they think his critics are being too harsh on him and that people are way too mean to musicians that are doing something different Um, and so it's kind of this back and forth on you know 
is the song good or not? And also, if it's not, do you have the right to bash someone, uh, you know, so harshly over it? So interesting. It just seems like that's kind of what's going on this week. So is it hot or not? See, now that's kind of an interesting thing because you've got two people here that, uh, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that I'm a tiny bit more open-minded and you're a little bit more picky but like at the end of the day we both like experimentation and the but the way jake is putting that off is that it sounds like this could potentially be like a so bad it's good meme of a song which we are also fans let of. me if- just show you andy <laughs> negative because oh, sure. here's the thing he's making us watch a video this week oh fuck let me get over there yeah getting yourself situated you do the play-by-play. Play. I, I, kids that ever felt left out. We are the princes and princesses of the glory days. What the hell? We were raised on a tree. What is that cheap guitar? I don't care what they say. Even if we're penniless, still look like royalty to me. This song's for all the weird kids that ever felt left <laughs> We're not going to let that fucking TikTok repeat video on. Can you accurately describe what we just saw? Yeah, so we just saw this fucking bright blonde-haired man with a pink scar- with a pink bandana over his neck and a striped shirt, and he just did that with bright pink walls. So yeah, let's room. see where this goes. Basically, the music video is for the song called "When We Were Young," which I'm sure that's related to "We Were Young Fest," that like controversial, fucking impossible posse scam, like freaking festival or just. Whatever. Isn't that the one that Shut the fuck up, Sweetwater. Isn't isn't that the thing? Well, you see, you just bought something from them, so the people that watch our phones are like. What's this South Park stop motion shit? Well, it's a South Park stop motion video. Oh, is it? Oh. Like, I have feelings and things I want to say, but I'm so appalled. I can't look away. (laughs) Well, Edwards, get. If you're going to laugh, laugh to the mic. Is that Takashi 69? Sure. Like royalty to me. He's kind of a creepy fucking guy, bro. This guy looks like the 32-year-old that lets 16-year-old girls come up and talk to him.
yeah, we just have no commentary right now. I'm just looking at just that empty space. Still look like royalty to me. I was super focused on that video. Alright. Describe to me go? what you saw. Okay. Do you want me to go first? You know what? Why don't you? You go first. Alright. Please. So we got some stop motion in a home cutesy little video by this TikTok lad that who knows? I don't know what his fucking follows are at. I can go try to look that up on the TikTok right now if you want me to. I can see where he's at. Obviously, his stick is fucking doing the pop punk thing. He looks like he's up to his like fucking late 20s. Fuck, maybe even 30s, bro. That guy looked like past 30. I'm like, dude, I do not want to I do not want to accidentally add him as a fucking <laughs> like to my thing. Okay, while you're doing that, here's what I saw. Pandering. Okay, he only has 5,432 followers. I thought it would be more. Yeah, I, I did too. But yeah, that's what I saw. I saw pandering. Like, he's got mad views on his fucking videos. This, oh my god. Like, once I stopped laughing, I... It's gonna sound weird. Once I stopped laughing, I started getting pissed. Yes. Because, like... Like, halfway through it, I'm like, oh, man, this is so bad. It's good. This is funny. Look at this cheesy video. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like this. First off, the song is whatever, okay? Sure, yeah. The song is painfully generic. But it's a fucking one lad in a fucking basement. Sure, maybe I won't cr fucking discredit him on that. Like his whoa. vocal, his vocal style, I've heard a hundred times. But you know what? Honestly, I, I I could be fine with the mediocre song. It was the video. The video. I said it like twice now. I looked at this video. This video was pandering. It because everything was made to look like a meme. He was totally pandering to simultaneously young, quirky, young, quirky teenagers and also to people who were quirky teenagers. This motherfucker came out like how Jake used to in high school because he was trying to dress up like Jeff Hardy. He had like, I don't know what it was called. They were like fingerless gloves, but they went into a thing like a half sleeve that you could put on. Yeah. And like it, it was like. You know how you know how things market themselves as like, oh, this is an 80s throwback. This is a 90s throwback. And it's meant to be like this big nostalgia trip for the people that were there. That's what this felt like. But for us when we were in high school. Oh, and then the lyrics. We were promised the world. The princes and princes. It's the most basic ass. Again, pandering, just trying to obtain the lowest common denominator. People that will look at that and be like, this guy's speaking the truth. The world's so crazy now. Things weren't always like this. I want to go back to when I, we were younger. It's like boomer energy, but he's a millennial? What is that? Is that just be... Whatever. I, I yeah I I didn't I really wanted this to be so bad it's good and it was for like a minute, but the rest of it I started thinking about it I was seeing it and I was like, no I see what you're trying to do I see how you're trying to hook people in, and no 
No, what's the guy's name? Andy Negative? Yes. I reject you, Andy Negative. You get a negative. Not hot. Your opinion. My opinion, well, one, it just seems like we're just roasting this guy for the most part. Well, one for me, I'm just going to like, dude, you look like a creepy fucking 30-year-old, bro. <laughs> like, MGK <laughs> comes off as a creepy 30-year-old dude, but he's fucking rich and famous. You, on the other hand, are not. I'm like, I won't, I'm not going to like, go too hard into like your level of writing a song and the production because I'm sure you're a one man show yeah and like you that takes a minute to master or get good at that oh I'm, totally I'm not gonna I disregard that like it. the song yeah. itself I think sucks if I was to rate just the song itself I would say it's a not either yes I don't know what the fuck the critics were saying it's just dude it's just like some fucking TikTok bro I was hoping... I'm not going to fucking hate on, like, the dude that's just TikToking around and just... Yeah, I thought this was, like, harmless stuff, or I thought this was, like... I'm just sitting there, I'm like, dude, this is kind of fucking sad. This looks... I thought the way... It kind of came off... If you took it, take it serious, it's kind of really sad and pathetic. I was going into this thinking that this was something that, like, the old Gen X gatekeepers were roasting, and then I was going to be like, ah, screw those guys. This guy's just having fun. But honestly... Considering where his following's at and considering what Jake said, I have to imagine he's getting roasted by by the inside of the pop punk community. Yeah, I think they're calling him like kind of like it's kind of that same Rebecca Black level energy. Yeah, except that's different because Rebecca Black is actually a good singer, but she had that guy produce her song and she was like also hella young. Yeah. Yeah, let's just kick someone down when they're early in their career. It seems like no one's ever had to do have. It seems like people forget what growing pains are. Yeah, it's like people forget what growing up is. Yeah, and like I'm not gonna disregard that guy having growing pains trying to do his art. Yeah, but it's just like the content itself was like fuck. It's just so cringy. I was trying to avoid that because I feel like that word's been oversaturated. But yeah, that is how I feel, and like I, I really. And try not to be that one guy that like, you know, they have a podcast or a YouTube thing and then they take the opportunity to like roast someone and like do all that. And then just like, oh, hey, man, it's free use. So like, you know, because like hypothetically, right, if he's if that if Andy Negative somehow heard this and like try to call us out, hey, man, you guys are being assholes, you know, but like I wasn't trying to be an asshole. But like, well, this I guess the- I'm roasting you because you look old and like. Maybe it's like you could be doing something else, but I'm like, there's nothing wrong for you not to do what you're doing. But let's 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 boil this down to the basic thing. Forgetting, and I know we said this already, but just as a quick recap to wrap this up before we get into the who, if we're looking objectively at the song, it is a not. TLDR. Thank you, Jake. Uh, because you know what? This this was I'm glad I watched that. Because uh Man, that was something. It just seemed like it was something made in some dude's fucking room. Yeah. And that dude looks like he hangs out in his room all day. Yeah. Maybe, hey, if he has the ability where he gets to make a living doing that. Yeah. I could be angry. I'm like, damn it. Why aren't I making a living doing something stupid like that? But then it's like, well, maybe I should go out there and try to make something stupid like that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. You should do pop punk. I can't do pop punk. No, I know, I know. I could maybe jam. I could drum it. Sure. Like, that's for sure, but, like, freaking, I can't, I don't know if I can go over, like, maybe I could go that corny. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. 
There's only one way to try that, and that would be me trying to make a fucking demo. <laughs> but I'm not going to. I yeah. don't have the energy for that. All right. Let me grab a quick timestamp. Okay. For our next section of the radio show. Okay. What do we listen to this week? Okay. For the classic album review, or the CAR, if you are reading our descriptions. Yes. So we're back at it again with The Who. This album- Still uh, continuing it. This album is called The Who Sells Out. So this album's kind of interesting. Yeah, what the fuck is up with this album? So obviously with the name, right? It's mocking slash parodying the fact that, because by now at this point in the real world, they've gotten quite popular. And in fact, they really were doing like commercials and sponsorships on radio and TV. Uh, This record- for side A at least, was slash is a pseudo concept album. I'm led to believe like not that there's a story, but the idea is the songs themselves aren't really connected. But, you know, when it starts and then in between the songs and stuff, um, there was like random jingles and ads and stuff. And apparently some of these were like real ones, too, or they were. I don't know if they changed it for the Spotify releases, but I know on the original vinyl release, they had like real like actual jingles and i only know that because i guess some jingle dudes in the usa got pissed and tried to sue them but uh yeah this is uh this is um that's the background of that album yeah kind of a weird album so well, i know explain for the who but yeah i'm not gonna lie this album's a little weird how yeah. does this start out so we started with track one Ar- armenia in the sky so two things. One, I heard that name and I'm like, yo, is this, is this a song about Armenia? Because, you know, I'm half Armenian. Ooh, ooh. But no, uh, it's not. From what I can gather, they just thought that the name sounded cool. And also second, this song is not written by The Who. It's not a cover either. There's Long story short, there's this dude named Speedy King, K-E-E-N, who apparently his real name was John David Percy speedy king basically he was homies with the who and they were hanging out and uh yeah he he wrote that song and in fact he's the one doing vocals on it so um yeah so this album continues the who's classic production of being especially this one album where it's like it's noisy but it's clear it was a good start to the album i i I like the songs it was a little different for them but i thought it was a pretty solid start i gave track one a seven so for track one we start off with the who telling us days of the week or at least some fucking robotic voice doing that monday monday tuesday and, and by wednesday i was like no you're not yeah they do all seven days of the week at some point but yeah no it's kind of like a fucking like late 60s psychedelic thing and i was just i was like yeah i was i'll just i'll just say what i wrote we start with the who telling us days of the week then some psychedelic music, and then it's kind of a Beatles ripoff. Yeah, we've established before that uh, the Who kind of like might take listened. influence. Let's be polite. Might have listened to the Beatles a little might've bit. Might have listened to Beatles. It's not like Keith Moon was like super duper homies with Ringo or anything. Whatever. It's a six out of ten for me. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's good. So track. It wasn't lighting my world on fire, but you know, I'm like, you know what? It's yeah, good. Yeah. All right. So what's for tea? Okay. So track two is a weird one, is because uh, so. I don't know if it was bundled up as its own song on original release, but on Spotify, track two, Heinz Baked Beans, which is a real brand, uh, as most people probably know, um, is its own separate song. It's a minute long jingle. It's got this big fanfare, and then this, and then there's this dude who I think this might, I thought I read this might be Keith Moon doing the voice where he's like, "What's for tea, dear?" Then be more music. What's for tea, dear? 
it's like okay so for the first so because it was a separate track for the first time on our show i gave this song out of a score of 10 i gave this song a nothing because it wasn't a song it didn't dampen the score but it's like this isn't a song this is just a bit this is a sound bit so and it was count but it was counted as its own thing so it's quirky a little funny, I guess. Well, what would you think of Heinz? I just wrote down for song two, what's for tea? Heinz baked beans. <laughs> Six out of ten. I've never had their beans. I might have had it once. Yeah. I mean, once. They're kind of hard to find. Yeah. Low key, kind of hard to find. I mean, my family, you know, Mexican or not, my family's not above using canned beans, but you got to get Can right. of baked beans? No, not baked beans. Just beans in general. Whatever. Canned beans, baby. All right, song Track, three. Yeah, it's called Mary Ann with a Shaky Hand. So this song... What's up with Mary Ann and her shaky hand? So this song was released as a single, but only in, like, the Netherlands, I think. Okay. But, see, I like this one. It was equal parts hippie rock, equal parts folk rock. You had some acoustic guitars, some very pretty guitars, multi-layered, echoey vocals. It was nice. Good, easy listening. Maybe I was in a good mood when I heard the album, but I... Oh, and there's some really good percussion, too. Like, background percussion-y bits. Oh, sorry. We we had a dope-ass lunch before we came over. Yeah, kind of making me a little sleepy, not going to lie. But we got... I try my best, people. But we got... I gave gave Marianne and her shaky hand a 7 out of 10. Well, Mary has a shaky hand, as this little ditty sounds like the Beatles. (laughs) But then in the end, we get like a random, just like it start... Then we got like just drums ripping it in the end. It's kind of a 6 out of 10 for me. I thought for some reason you were going to say, well, Mary has a shaky hand, but you know what? She's got a solid song. I thought that's what you were going to say. No. Track four is called Odorono, which... Odorono. Yeah, which you can see Pete Townsend using in the album art. I'm going to guess this was a brand of deodorant. This was a real brand of deodorant in the U.S. at the time. U.S.? Yeah. U.K.? U.S. That's what I saw. Okay. This is a simple, catchy song. Not much to it. It kind of ends... It's a fucking jingle. (laughs) But it's like a two-minute jingle. I hey, thought. Some jingles can go for two minutes. Um, I I thought it was okay. I, I gave it a six. Maybe I was being nice. But I remember listening to this, and I'm like, yeah, you're not a bad song. Okay. I just wrote down LOL, a deodorant song, which I thought was pretty tight, and I vibed. I'll give it a light seven. <laughs> Track five is called Tattoo. Okay, this, was, this is a mellow song, um, and, you know, had time to breathe did you pay attention to the lyrics on this one no the lyrics were fucked up so the protagonist and his <laughs> brother get tattoos but his dad hates their tattoos so he beats them and he's and the dad says only women wear long hair that's the story of the song <laughs> is is the character and his brother want tattoos their mom pays for the tattoos but the parents hate the tattoos so it get beat. Cool story, bro. <laughs> this was uh this was Pete Townsend, by the way, on vocals. This is another actually kind of like the Who's last record, where like Robert Daltrey is is like barely on the first half. But yeah, I gave Tattoo a six. It's a good song. Okay. Okay for a song five. It was song five. I thought you said song six. I was no, like, I gave song five a six. Okay. For song five, I just wrote down, bro, indie music, modern indie music just rips off 60s music. 
<laughs> but the song was pretty solid. I'll give it a heavy six. Okay, there we a go. A strong six. It's like it's almost a seven, but I'm like, nah. nah. Yeah. But it's like, you know what? It's a good, it's a, it's a strong six. Yeah, yeah. But it's a six out of ten, nonetheless. Speaking of sixes, we got track six here. All love was... Uh, that's the name of the song, Our Love. It's another catchy one. This is kind of like an anti-love song about toxic relationships. Like, really, that's what the lyrics are about. And on, But on top of that, music was good. Really good. I feel like it drags a little bit, which is weird because it's not a long song. It's only like three and a half minutes. But I, but I, th- I still thought it was pretty good. I gave this one a six. All right, for song six. Yes. As we're down, the song was good, but it was kind of mid. Like a light six. Oh, and dude, maybe here, it was a five. I don't know. And dude, here we go. Track seven. I can see for miles. Now, here's a great song. Now, one of the big things that this song's kind of known for is uh, this is the song that inspired Helter Skelter. Oh, did it now? Because Pete Town said said in the pa- in a newspaper interview that he had wrote with this song. At the time, the loudest, dirtiest song that was on record right now. And then Paul McCartney uh, saw that and went, hmm, you know, I wonder if we can do that. And then boom, Helter Skelter. How was this now? But Did we have a little bit of an arms race here. Yeah, exactly. Between the Who and the Beatles. Yeah, because because it because if the Beatles because if Paul McCartney wasn't uh, having a dick measuring contest with Brian Wilson, I guess because he was like the only one. He was one of the only ones that actually paid attention to their contemporaries. Like George Harrison did a bit. He was homies with Eric Clapton, but Paul was the was like from interviews and what they talked about. Paul was the only one that like listen to like other music at the time or, 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 or other bands. But yeah, I love this song. Um, it's dirty and clean. The drums are awesome. It's some of Keith Moon's best drums. Uh, if we had a hall of awesome for individual songs, I would put it in there. Um, I, I love this song. It's great. You know, just, it's awesome. I don't know about you. I give this song a nine. I love this song. Yeah, you really love this song. I just wrote down the song was pretty sick for miles and miles. Seven out of ten. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, I thought it was a good, pretty killer ass song. All right, now song eight is called "I Can't." Is sorry, it's called "Can't Reach You." Some pressings of this album gave it the completely different title of "I Can't Reach You." Isn't that fucking fascinating? So this <laughs> this song is a short, groovy piano led number with Townsend on lead vocals. Uh, I'm like, I wrote here. I'm like, bro, the fuck? Why isn't Daltrey singing? He doesn't play any instruments. Well, he does, but not on this record. Um, but whatever. Uh, it's a catchy song, and I liked it. I was still kind of riding the high for Miles, so I gave this one a 7. For song A, I kind of zoned out, and I gave it a 5 out of 10. Oof. Here's the thing about this record. Yeah. I was going in kind of, I was like, I don't know. It depended on my mood at the time. I was on a hike. Maybe I was really stoking for this record, but when I was listening, I'm like, dude, not gonna lie, I'm not stoking on this. I'm not too stoking on this record. I was like, I've been, I was like, around this point, I'm like, dude, I feel like I've been a little too friendly. Yeah, this like song, I low key was just just zoned out, and I'm like, okay, I didn't get that song, didn't get me five out of ten. Maybe I needed a break, but that's what I felt about song eight. Now song nine is called Medac, or I think, I think. It's called Medac on like the British release, but the American release called it Spotted Henry for some reason. Oh, what the fuck? Uh, End whistle. Uh, the bassist is on lead vocals. This song is fifty-seven seconds, and it's about a little boy fighting acne. Like that's it. What? Yeah. Okay. The song ends with him having a face as smooth as a baby's bottom. 
It was something. It was silly. You know what? It was cute. It was a cute song. It actually kind of sounded like something Brian Wilson would have wrote. Um, I didn't really like I gave it. I gave it a five only because just how short it was. But I don't think it was bad. For me, I wrote down a random jingle. Five out of ten. Track 10 is relax. Yeah. <laughs> Townsend and Daltrey on Coley's. This one's very organ heavy, and Keith accentuates it with a sick floor tom beat. It's classic psychedelic fanfare for the time period and kind of for the band itself. The song has elements that by now I'm sure that, you know, you or any, not you specifically, but just anyone would recognize if they listened to their last two albums, especially with the breakdown in the middle. Kind of sounded like it, the breakdown sounded like I wrote here intense spiro music. But even though there's familiar bits here, I felt that the song still managed to be pretty cool. I gave it a seven. So for song 10, I vibe pretty good with this one. Seven out of 10. There we I go. think it was that floor tom beat. Yeah, it is. I think, uh, I think that <laughs> won me over a little bit. <clears throat> and it was telling me to relax. Maybe. <laughs> I was a little tense. Track 11 is uh, the very, very British sounding Silas Stingy. Da- uh, Daughtry and Entwistle are our co-vocals. So the song feels artistically like a continuation of Boris the Spider. The organ in the background reminded me of uh, Kefka's theme from Final Fantasy VI. I thought the song um, kind of stuck out in a lot of ways, but honestly, I thought it was cool, and I thought it sounded like kind of like genuinely creepy. I liked it. it was, I gave it a six. Yeah, I also wrote down, too, it was like a free and another jingle about a stingy lad, but this was kind of had a little of a ha- little, like the organs were... Made the song kind of a little haunting a little bit. I give it a strong six. It's almost a seven, but you know what? Screw it. Oh, yeah, it's a six. I say it's a six. Yeah, it's a six. It's a good. It's a strong six, though. It's, yeah, yeah. It could be a seven, but I'm like, nah. It's a six. It's a six. Track 12 is Sunrise, a pretty acoustic number, a solo song with with just Townsend. It's very nice. Some awesome guitar work. It reminded me of something like Lindsey Buckingham would have wrote for like his solo career. It's not bad. It's not a lot to say. It's quite simple, but I liked it. Another six from your boy. Yeah, for song 12. Yeah. I wrote down this was kind of a zoner. Five out of 10. Fair. <clears throat> Track 13 is called Real or Real or something. I don't know. It's See, it's Real and... And in original releases, it's like two parts. Yeah. Because there's a Rail 1 and Rail 2. When I listen to it, <clears throat> I listen to the Rail 2. I will listen to Rail 2 too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When it, when it originally released, but I guess there's some releases, <clears throat> there's only Rail 1. Yeah, for some reason. Or some reason. I don't know. This, <laughs> this International song- <laughs> fucking pressings, bro. Don't blame me. I don't yeah. know what the fuck went along with the time period. This was a very- These fucking guys. This was a very upbeat 60s song, sounding song. This song was neat. It had a lot of starts and stops and changes. Like there were times when I'm like, I thought I stopped paying attention for a second or a different song came on because literally it sounded like they were because they were switching gears so hard. It literally it the song at times felt like they took two songs. They took the tape of two songs and like went in and like overlaid it over each other and like created this weird like. I don't know. It was it was it was just a song with a lot of starts and stops and a lot of changes. I, I like the different layers though, and it had some good fun toe tapping moments. It's a fun, fine song. Um, kind of a weird, not a weird note to end on, but it's not like a big rousing fanfare like maybe the nine minute epic from album two. But I liked it. Uh, I gave it a six. 
So yeah, for song 13, I was like, you know, kind of like a who, it's kind of like a prog song for the who for five minutes, but, Mm -hmm. and maybe it could be like the best album on the record. I enjoyed it. I give it a light seven out of 10. Gotcha. Maybe. I feel like there's other songs. I have a feeling Miles and Miles might be the best song on record. In my opinion, it is. Yeah, and I'll agree with you on that one, too. I remember that song being sick. I need to re-listen to it, though. Yeah. I don't remember it being hard and heavy and dirty, but maybe well, I should try. Well, for the time period. Yeah, like, I was like, that there, I was like, mm, maybe <clears throat> I should go back and re-listen to that song. Not going to lie. So out of a score of 120, because I'm not counting Heinz Baked Beans, um, if I decide to tally up my score, which I didn't do, ha, psych, this album gets a 78. I liked, I love this record. I thought it was maybe not great. I thought it was good on a bad day. Very good on a good day. I enjoy this. I'm, I'm loving the who. <clears throat> you know, I'm like loving the who too. It's just this record. I felt like might've been a step down or just was, I was in an okay mood listening to it. Depends. Yeah. And like, it's hard to like, you always be in a perfect mood to listen to whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not, but that's for me. Like, I'm not saying the record was bad, but it's like, part of me was like wanting maybe I was like, I felt like I wanted more, but maybe I had my set my expectations and wants a little too high. Next week's I think go- that's more of a me issue. Next week's going to be f- interesting because next week is Tommy. Yeah. Isn't that fucking shit long? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I don't There's know. There's a ass load of songs that like go intertwine with each other because it's kind of a fucking, you know, cool guy concept album. Cool guy concept album. Also a movie. Also a movie. What the fuck? There's a movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie was, like, made with this, like, in mind. Because, hey, you know, it was kind of a thing back then. Oh, a band's getting popular? Let's give a movie. The Beatles got, like, three movies. Four, if you count the Get Back, doc- uh, not Get Back, they call it uh, the Let It Be documentary that came out. Hmm. So, according to Wikipedia, um, um, let's see. What's so- up with Tommy? Wikipedia. Let's see. Um, it was good. 24 songs. I think this might have been a double album. Uh, how long is the runtime? 75 minutes. I think it might be a double album. Yeah, this is a double album. All right, we'll see where this goes. The Who, the Who is very ambitious, especially in 1969. That's basically a double album prog album. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, if we want to, if we want to be politically correct, it's considered a rock opera. Well, we're going to listen to a rock opera next week for the CAR, i.e. the Classic Album Review, while we continue our seasonal journey listening to The Who. All right, listeners, I'm going to grab a timestamp, and then we're going to get into our main event. Yep. Okay, listeners, it's time for the main event. Movie time, mama, movie time, triple D, it's motherfucking movie time. That's our that's our bumper. You no, like it's that? not. <laughs> but Okay, you didn't like it, got it. Although, I don't know. <laughs> I was, I, was just, I was just kidding. All right. I was about to say, introduce us. What did we watch today? We watched, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson, 2022's The Batman. Yes. We're trying something different today. We went and watched movies straight out of the movie theaters. I wasn't able to like hang out at home and make my own personal notes. So we'll be going, reading off the plot synopsis off Wikipedia. And hopefully in memory, we can remember stuff and reactions. But if you're curious, yes, we thought this movie was fucking, I thought this movie was baller as fuck. This was balls to the wall dope. Okay, it wasn't balls to the wall. There was a lot of like, you know. Well, not like in an there, action sense. Yeah, I just this ma- ain't no like balls to the wall Jason Statham nonsense movie. You imagine this ain't Jason, crank, bro. Can you imagine Jason Statham as Batman? That'd be fucking hilarious. I'm vengeance. 
I'm the knight. I'm fucking Batman. Oh no, does he have the Batman chin? Let me look up his chin real quick. <laughs> you need to remember the Statham chin. Okay, here we go. Jason Statham. Just fuck, you tell me, bro. I think that could be a Batman chin. <laughs> I want him to listen in his lifetime. He either needs to be, he either needs to be Bruce Wayne or James Bond. I don't care. He needs to be one or the other. I don't think he, dude, I would love for him to be James Bond. Yeah. I want to draw him all teeny shaking, not fucking stud. It's Jason Statham. He's got to swear. He's got to get at least one F bomb. That's why I don't want to see the Meg. It's a rated, it's a rated PG 13 movie. Jason Statham can't cuss in that. He might be able to say, Oh shit. Anyway, the Batman. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the Batman. I don't know. Do you want to talk about your fandom of the Batman, or should we save it after? Oh, sure. And also, listeners, we will be talking about the whole damn movie. So, yes, there will be spoilers. Yes. If you are listening to this. No, this will be spoilers. Fuck. Yeah, we're basically explaining the whole plot to you. Yes. So, you might as well bounce the fuck out. If not, and you don't care, then stay and listen. Now, I, I, do you want I, to explain your fandom of the Batman? I can uh, I can give a light version because I can talk about Batman for literally yeah, the whole the, podcast. Yeah, give me the spark notes. Basically, uh, I love Batman. I think he's the Fuck, gra- really? I can't see. I think he's the greatest superhero of all time. Followed very closely, sometimes topped by Spider-Man. I think they're I think both of them are representative of what like the best superheroes like are. But anyway, Batman's my favorite superhero, which is kind of a contentious thing because Batman's public opinion's kind of been slipping in the last few years a little bit for a multitude of reasons, but I love Batman. I oh have, no, the Batman story in life is like he has some he has good movies and mm-hmm. he has sketch movies. Yeah. He has movies that hit really well and then he has movies that don't hit very well. And that's not even getting into And the, it's rare with something in between. And that's not even getting into the comics. I've like uh, I've read that James can James can vouch. Well, here's the I thing. I have a collection Fucking of Batman's been around since what? The 1930s? Uh that's when he got his solo. He debuted in Detective Comics in like I'm going to fuck up the date. Let me look it up. But Just he say he, the decade. He debuted in Detective Comics in the late at near the end of the 20s. So he's been around for a minute. I think and he predates sure Superman. What? I think he predates Superman. Does he now? I think so. Let me see here. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Batman. But, uh, either way, Batman's no, wait, never been mind. around for a minute. Never I'm mind. sure there are points where he, there might be misses. I'm saying, if you've been going at it for uh, since how many decades now? S- sorry. 30, it was, 40s? It was uh, 39. 40s, 50. So, it, it was 1939. He debuted. I got. I thought. I kept saying 27 because okay, he debuted in Detective Comics. Yeah. 27. 60, 90s, 2000s. He's been around for like up to like eight decades. Almost now. 90 years. I think there are. I'd It'll s- be 90 years in You know how hard that will be to keep writing up quality content? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's be times where it, it, the Batman fell fl- flat on his face. Oh, That's yeah. an interesting history, too, because obviously Batman was like, what? He started out as kind of a detective. Yeah. Wearing a bat suit. Did you, did you ever look at his original bat suit? His bat suit was literally like, you know, leotard with trunks, very pointy ears, but he used to have these, like, he didn't even have, like, full on, like, big gloves. He had on these, like, 
almost like union worker, like dark blue purple gloves. Uh, like welder gloves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He just had on like worker gloves and stuff. Here's and- the thing. And like, there's a long history to Batman because there was the Adam West campy, <clears throat> but fun, mm-hmm. like cartoonish like Batman. Yeah. Then of but, course there's uh, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton yeah, Batman. That's the switch in the 80s where Batman became more gothic and more yeah. dark and like more serious and shit. Yeah. And I that's mean, the Michael Keaton. The movies did well, but obviously the best, one of the best Batman was the animated series. Yeah, with which voice was by what, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, which also like that series was like one of the interesting things was that like when they did the animation, instead of having a white background, they used a black background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a dark, kind of a gothic thing. So it's like, Batman went kind of gothic. And then obviously in the 2000s, he kind of became like, he's the smart hero out of all the superheroes. Yeah, that's part of the reason why public opinion on him soured in the last, uh, how let's just say 20 years, because... Uh, because I explained this to you over lunch. The term bat god gets thrown around a lot because... You were telling me this before the yeah, cast. Because basically... for a, Well, I out was of a, sitting out of a, here and setting up everything. Out of a combination of... Out of a combination of the animated series' late last two seasons, The New Adventures of Batman, with the Justice League, and then, of course, the Arkham games, and then with Grant Morrison's run on the comics, Batman was just a guy he basically never got defeated. He never got outsmarted. Uh, he always had a plan, even though it was never foreshadowed. He just never got beaten. And he was beating guys way above his punching weight, like even superpowered dudes like um like Darkseid. Uh, and and just he he they made him too good. They made him too strong. And so and it's left a big shadow because even to this day, you know, Batman's just one of those guys where people see him as a, as a spotlight stealer because they because DC knows, obviously, that he's their biggest hero. Maybe Superman has a little more exposure because he's the he's the the world's biggest, best Boy Scout. But Batman's the guy. He's the DC guy. So and then and then, of course, um, there's always the dark and gritty thing. Batman does dark and gritty a certain way that DC tried to emulate throughout all their comics because they thought that would help sell during the New 52 run. And it, it's just a it's just a whole lot of thing. But 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 those are the negatives. I love I love I, I just I love Batman, good and bad. I was about to say I've got a stack of Batman trades that are about uh, the last time I measured it. I was at to like. About three and a half feet tall, maybe a little more. Shit. Um, just yeah. So like you know, um, I just feel the need to preface all that because I feel like because thanks to Marvel, well, you're gonna walk in with an opinion. No, it's a be- strong opinion. <laughs> no, it's it's partially because because Marvel made a lot of people made the the thing of comic books more uh more you know casual. Sometimes when a lot of people say, "Oh my gosh, I uh, oh my gosh, I love these comic book characters," they're talking about movies. They're not talking about comics. I'm talking about both because I grew up with the show. I grew up with movies, but I do and did read the. Com- I read a fuck ton of Batman comics, dude. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna tell you all. I know everything. That'd be a lie. That's a. I know a fuck, and I'm a little rusty because I've kind of slowed. I think you have a basic idea with the character I collection, think- but yeah, I know a. F- I've read and know a. F- fuck ton about Batman. You have a basic idea on the character. And that's the thing about the character. At least. We've shown that he can go different ways. Yeah, and that's what I like about him. I like his versatility. There's a lot of versatilities on what the Batman is. Yes. So it is hard to like pin pin down one specific thing. Yeah, exactly. But for sure, today's Batman was more of a detective Batman. So, yeah, right, which I, I liked a lot. Let's get it to the movie. We open up with a very rainy, 
Halloween evening mm-hmm. in our Gotham as Mayor Don Mitchell Don Mitchell Jr. is murdered by a man. Yes, calling this, himself the Riddler. This scene. This is was, what Wikipedia says. This scene was very. Yeah, we see creepy. A, in a good way. Yeah, we see like a fucking dude. He's watching TV of himself, I guess. But we're also like watching through the eyes of binoculars to some other lad. And you hear this creepy breathing. It's like, <sighs> like not Darth Vader shit, but you just hear like, yeah, it's just an breathing. unsettling breathing. <clears throat> and then, yeah, like a little, like you're kind of a little close, homeboy. Back up. There's this great shot where. Um, the guy's watching TV about because he's running for mayor. There's a, there's this great shot of um, him uh, watching himself on TV. He's staying still. He goes. He walks away, and you don't immediately see it, but in the background you can see like the shadow outline of the Riddler, and it's like oh fuck. Yeah, dude. and like yeah, his fucking glasses <clears throat> reflection. Yeah, like he turns off the TV, and you see him, and then your dad like says whoa. Yeah, <laughs> and I almost ha- I almost started cracking up. Yeah, it's uh yeah, and then obviously yeah, the guy kills him and then he um we don't see it right away, but it, they uh he tapes up his face. Tapes up his face for whatever reason. Yeah. So the next And then writes no more lies. Those are like the arc words throughout the movie. It's no more lies and unmask the truth. So on Wikipedia, the reclusive billionaire Bruce Wayne, who has operated for two years now as the vigilante Batman, then rolls up to the murder scene and alongside with Gotham with the Gotham City Department. And basically he's there investigating with Lieutenant James Gordon which I guess they are like, you know, chummy at the moment. Like Jim, like our character Jim Gordon. You know, him and Batman, like Yeah. They try to keep the <clears throat> like he's a he's a Boy Scout. And that's the thing I like that's one thing I liked about this movie is that it really brought back to the forefront uh Batman's connection with Jim Gordon, which is you watch the shows, tell of important. You read some of the comics. Yeah, tell of important. Kind of lacking in some of the... Uh, it was important in the Nolan movies, I think. But it but it wasn't like a big thing. It's, yeah, but it's like, one of the main cruxes of this movie. Yeah, dude, for sure. It is one of the main cruxes. <clears throat> They're basically there looking around. And we see the Riddler <clears throat> has a message for the Batman. But it's the Riddler. Yeah. What's his fucking stick? He does like crazy things and he leaves riddles for the Batman to solve. Yeah. Also, this might be a good time to point out just because, uh, you know, we get a really good shot of it. Um, what do you think of uh, what do you think of this uh, of this movie's bat suit? I think it's a fine bat suit. I like I like the suit. It's, it's not offensive. <clears throat> like I like the suit itself. Um, I like that. Um, I like that. It seems almost made in mind to show off the Batman chin. Um, the bat chin. The, the cowl was a little interesting. Um, ears are a little small. But <clears throat> and it kind of just looked like he had a really big forehead. But I think I think the suit's cool. Yeah, I thought the suit was fine. <clears throat> oh so, yeah. Also, I think before he gets to the crime scene, isn't that when he beats up those dudes in the in the? Bro, I'm going off the plot synopsis on Wikipedia. Oh, I don't okay. have notes. Maybe he did. Like, was <clears throat> able to scare. Yeah, I think he did. Was like we're introduced them as yeah. he's beating up thugs or these jokers. Yeah, these guys who uh, they they're he's harassing fi- this guy, and he's talking. And uh, there's this really great shot of where <clears throat> he's talking about how because they have the bat signal in this movie, and they're talking <laughs> and they're talking about how that sign that sign is it's a call, but it's also a warning, and it's punctuated by they show um they show 
uh, helicopter, police helicopters flying about, and the criminals are like, eh, whatever. But then they see the bat symbol, and they're like, oh, fuck, because they think he's just lurking around every shadow. I thought that was really cool to show that uh, Batman's really struck fear in the criminals. Yeah, he'll pop out. You don't know when he'll pop out and beat the shit out of you. Yeah, and, and that's when he beats them down. We get that dope line from the original trailer. I'm vengeance. Yeah. Which turned out to be other reoccurring themes. But yeah, um, at the crime scene, Batman gets uh, this car from Riddler. Yeah. I don't remember. We also meet Commissioner Pete Savage as he's berating the Batman and like Jim Gordon to tell him to leave the scene. Hey, what's he doing here? Uh, God, what's he doing? Him and Penguin sounded like your Italian voice because there's really a place where he's like, hey, this must be a great night for you, huh? Because uh, it's Halloween. He's like, yeah, happy fucking Halloween. Yeah, happy fucking Halloween, bad and, boy. And like he he and like he didn't say this, but in my head, I just thought, oh, because it reminded me of Buster Rhymes telling Michael Myers, happy fucking Halloween. Oh, Michael, happy fucking Halloween. And I was just, and I was just like, and I was like, and I just thought to myself, hey, Batman, happy fucking Halloween. That was funny. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the card has a riddle. It's like, you know, um, uh, it's something like a, what is a, it's like, what does a liar do when he like, when he's dead or something? Wow. If I only was able to lie, I should have just sat in the back of the theater and took notes. I almost considered that. We could have seen them. We could have just waited and seen the movie twice. Not on the same day. I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. Like, believe me, I think I could see it. But once. basically Riddler's trying to call out Batman. Yes. And then soon after that, and what Wikipedia says, the Riddler kills Pete, the commissioner Pete Savage, and leaves another message for the Batman. I don't remember what much else there. I don't remember. Did he go back to fucking? Uh, I guess you know what he might have went back to his Batcave. Yeah, he was hanging out with Alfred. Yeah, because we saw his, some of his equipment. He's using these contact lenses that also work as the camera. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. Uh, yeah, that was kind of sick. And the- he's just going through. Looking through the evidence that he picked up from the crime scene, it was pretty cool because the scene ended with him seeing the, uh, with him seeing uh, the son of the mayor that got killed, and uh, obviously reminding him of what. And you know what I appreciate about this movie? This movie did not. Like, it brought up that Bruce's parents got killed, but it didn't, like, show us it. Yeah, but you know this to people that know the Batman story. No, that's that's just it, because everyone... Unless you don't know the Batman story. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's kind of a meme where every time there's a new Batman movie or show or, or like, or something, everyone always has the same joke. It's like, well, gotta watch Bruce's parents die again, you know? But um, not this movie. Oh, and also they tell you that his parents died. This movie made great usage of Nirvana's something in the way. Yeah. Here because it's playing as he's riding across, rising to his back cave. Um, That was really cool because, you know, Nirvana's fucking poggers. He gets into his back cave and he's decoding it. This is when we meet this movie's Alfred. Now, you had kind of a mixed opinion on this movie's Alfred. I'm like, maybe I'm used to I'm used to a different Alfred. Like This Alfred, I'm just like. He kind of came off more of a badass than... For, he came off looking more like a badass. Played by a good actor, though. That was Andy Serkis. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's great. But, yeah, um... Just kinda why, f- why is the Alfred always, like, a Class A level a- actor? Oh, yeah, him, uh, freaking Michael Caine. I can't remember easy who... Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I can't remember who played... Oh, and, uh, fucking, uh, Alfred in the Zack Snyder movies was, like, Jeremy Irons. You know, a.k.a. freaking Atticus Finch and Scar, the evil lion from Lion King. 
<laughs> so like and a whole bunch of other crap but yeah all right so what next that wikipedia says that then batman and gordon like i'm sure this is the point discover that the riddler left a thumb drive in that mayor's car containing images of like the mayor and with a mysterious woman anika kozlov from the iceberg lounge yes all right fill in the fill in the spaces of what like happened right there obviously there was like we had batman and alfred they find like that's the thing about this movie it was like a fun little mystery movie yeah it's just fun to watch them solve mysteries and like get closer and closer to the object there's a moment where they like decode something that says drive and they go down to a car because like drive okay has to be a car and then when they looked in the car it's like hey look for a usb port because also like one thing too at the crime scene we forgot the dead mayor also yeah, had his thumb be, cut off yeah i was about to point out and then this was so dark but like he pulls out the usb the USB stick and there's a thumb attached to it. And then, and then Batman looks at Gordon and goes thumb drive, thumb drive. <laughs> oh, that was great. And it was fucked up too, because they also had to like use the thumb to like get past an ID scan. But yeah, they, they get that. And then they open up, um, they open up uh, these encrypted files that I think had a video. Yeah. that had a video, but mostly the plot was that pictures of like, all right, that that brings them to the Iceberg Lounge, a nightclub operated by the Penguin. Okay, this was great because because um, like, okay, cool, Penguin's in the story. Yeah, uh, on dude, and then but obviously he's a lieutenant to main mobster Carmine Falcone. Falcone, which Falcone. is which is uh, correct to his uh, comic book. Well, not. He started off as his own thing, but in Batman prequel comics, they show usually, uh, usually, uh, Penguin has been either his lieutenant or he's been a rival gangster. In this movie, they decide to go the with the with the idea that uh, he's Falcone's right hand man. Yeah, which Falcone is, uh, you know, one of the things that people liked about old old Batman, like Detective Comics and, um. Uh, early Batman is that um, is that before the Joker took over because he was in the first Batman issue but he showed up again later is that um, before that Batman you know he fought some 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 quirky guys he fought like an evil scientist and uh, and all that but he mostly just fought the mob yeah and that was his origin that was his bread and butter he fought the mob that's why in all these Batman prequels he's always fighting the mob because that's how he got to start and of course uh the corrupt Gotham Police Department which is kind of which has been a staple since Frank Miller's year one yeah for sure and which the story a lot of people says kind of based off year one ish yeah. but either way freaking we see the Batman roll up to the freaking iceberg lounge and he like works his way through to get a meeting with the penguin. There was a funny He bit. interrogates him, yeah. asking him some questions of what's up with the lady, but the penguin doesn't say shit. But looking at pictures and then looking at we meet Selena Kyle who comes in, delivers yes. their drinks, and likes she was wearing the same boots as if I think the freaking uh Anika Kozlov, the mystery lady in the pictures. With that with the beat up bruised face. Yeah. It was kind of a funny moment when he got there because... So uh, it's like another cool thing about this movie. Hey, detective work. He's seeing yeah. things. So they're like, hey, you know what? A lead. This penguin guy ain't saying shit. And I'll be honest. Um, What's his name? Um, Robert, Robert, Robert Campbell? Robert Pattinson has Robert really... Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson has really good um, body language throughout this movie. Um, he's really good at like subtle acting stuff because, Hey, surprise, surprise. Robert Pattinson's, uh, is a great actor. Hey, you guys ever seen the lighthouse? You should watch the lighthouse. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, um, let's see. There was a funny bit when Batman got there because he knocks on the door of the club and he's like, you know who I am. 
He's like, and the guy's like, yeah. He's like, I want to see Penguin. Closes the door, opens it up again. Another guy comes out. Guy wants to see Penguin. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then they try to punch Batman. Batman beats him up. And then Batman beating these guys up actually, like, helps the plot later. But, um, yeah, then he fights his way through the club, meets Penguin. Uh, can I put over Colin Farrell as Penguin in this movie? He's fantastic. Oh, yeah, no. This Penguin was awesome. He's, like... Like, yeah, you know, he's got this New York accent that kind of stands out. But, but honestly, isn't I don't Gotham even City care. supposed to be New York? It's supposed to be New York. Yeah, isn't yeah. the Penguin a freaking New York mobster archetype? Oh, yeah, type? that's totally what he is. And, he, and he's like, and he, oh, my God, just so many things he said were great. Hey, whoa, whoa, take it easy, sweetheart. Like, it was uh, totally. Take it, take it easy, sweetheart. Like, he was able to still be menacing when he needed to be and serious. But, like, Penguin was such a breath of. Uh, fresh air because like the only time penguins ever been in a movie is uh the second tim burton movie and that was a way different penguin yeah, yeah that was fucking like danny devito like freaking being all like weird and deformed yeah and um and was it and tim burton was like oh let's literally make him a mutated like half penguin hybrid and let's have his like let's have his story let's have this his story in this movie just be really really sad Good movie though. No, yeah, no, that is a good movie. But yeah, so uh, but yeah, he follows Selena home. Yeah, because he's following up on that lead, and then he kind of is he's like spying on a her, creepy stalker for a minute. Yeah, I'm like, well, here's Robert Pattinson, kind of became being like Robert Pattinson here. He sees like obviously he sees the mystery lady, but he's also just looking at Selena Kyle changing. Yeah. Like obviously, they didn't want to be like anything cruder. Like, oh la la. No, she's just she's just in her undergarments. There's yeah. no like, you know. yeah. She throws on her freaking cat is Catwoman suit. Is it Catwoman? Yeah, it's Catwoman. Yeah, so I was just like, I was just sitting there, I was like getting confused at moments because like I'll think of Spider Man. I'm like, yeah, Black Cat, Catwoman. Yeah, I don't know. Black Cat was a Catwoman ripoff. Just saying. Okay. <sighs> How dare these like good superheroes? But it's like, like I share, told, like, but it's like I told, it's like I think I said this off camera because we're but, talking about like Batman Beyond. That's what I was gonna and say. Batman yeah. Beyond has like freaking like they he has villains that are similar to like Spider Man, and that's why I said I'm like you know what if the two best comic book heroes want to pull from each other I'm like you know what I'm fine with that. If all of a sudden Batman had a freaking uh, had a freaking uh, octopus bad guy, and if all of a sudden Spider Man had a clown bad guy, you know what they'd probably end up being pretty cool. So Bruce follows Selena to in the trailers. I thought this was a museum, but no, they just go back to the freaking uh, spot where that mayor dude got yeah. murdered. And uh, she's trying to crack a safe. To we find out, I think here or she, later she wanted to grab the passport to freaking the mystery lady, yes. Anika, and which like there to like they dispute. Uh, freaking hold on, I'm just like looking at works at the club waitress because now we're just going off the notes. Yeah, either way, eventually they're talking, and then through Selena Kyle, Batman discovers that, you know, Pete Savage, who got killed earlier, he was on Falco, like Falcone's payroll. As basic, was this the point too? Yeah, yeah, this is the point too, because like he has like uh, Catwoman or Selena Kyle go in into, because like I guess in the Iceberg Lounge, there's a sub club. There's a club in a club, which she like told about the Batman. Told well, told to the Batman. So she has her go in with the contact lenses and basically have her going around and seeing the people. Which we meet another character, D- District Attorney Gil Coulson. Mm-hmm. Which like he, the Batman has her like freaking, you know, talk to him, get some information. But then there's a moment where I think like what was this when we first meet Falcone? 
a little bit. Uh, yeah, or yeah, or because there's something yeah. that like Selena Kyle goes to the bathroom and he's like, I don't feel like doing this. Well, one because she got information about where her missing friend, like friend, was. Oh yeah, right. Because like after she gets the passport, they go back to her pad and the, and, she's, and gone. she's gone. And it's like okay, then Batman has her go into the sub club. Seriously, I don't have my notes here. I'm going off memory as best I can, people. I'm so sorry. The shit was sick, all right? <laughs> I like this espionage going on. I like the bantering with Batman. He's trying to make her do stuff, but she's kind of not stoking. She wants to find her friend, but when like Batman's actually getting somewhere on his case, she goes, fuck you. I'm trying to find my friend. Well, yeah, be- and then bounces out, well, yeah, throws be- off the well, contact Well, yeah, because freaking Battinson kind of pulls a douchebag not cool moment because like when when freaking Catwoman and Selena Kyle meets Falcone she you know he's like affectionate with her and she's like all awkward and then he's like I didn't know you had a relationship with Falcone and she's like I don't have a relationship with Falcone he's like that's not what it looked like to me and then she's like she's basically like well fuck this and then she just and then she takes the camera uh, contacts out of her eyes. Yeah, this isn't Kevin Conroy Batman. He's a smooth Batman. Yeah, this Batman's not smooth. Yeah, th- yeah, this, yeah, this Batman. Robert Patton. Robert Pattinson's not a smooth Batman. This Batman's like Selena. Kevin Conroy Batman's like <clears throat> Selena. Selena. That's that's how it's yeah. like. It's like Selena. You need to put those jewels back or just <laughs> something like that. You know, this Batman's be like Selena. Don't throw your life away. <laughs> a little drastic this but either way she was getting a little chummy with the DA and then like the DA does follow her outside but she grabs a taxi and the DA is all bummed that he couldn't freaking talk to more Selena Kyle yeah or which is all silly Zoe Kravitz too. which is to which to be fair is fair because Zoe Kravitz is a very pretty woman yeah I'm just saying like freaking the guy was simping hard but either way this is probably he even shows off as like oh hey here's my cool looking Range Rover want me to take you home <laughs> please don't I'm not having a good evening bye yeah well I'm sad now my simp didn't work I'm just gonna go into this car and oh hey look it's the Riddler that is such a fucking fear of mine of like going in the car and then there's someone in there like it happens in horror movies and every time even when I know it's gonna happen it freaks me out but yeah, Riddler conks this dude on the head. Well, I can tell you this. You're not a pretty woman and you're not rich. So you're kind of safe at the moment. <laughs> thank you, James. <laughs> thank you for thank you for confirming I am neither of those things. Okay, so, so like you have a lower chance of some dude creeping in the back of your like in your back seat ready to clonk you out. True. Like I I wouldn't see no purpose for them to like rob it, unless it's just randomly petty. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so now um, now's the funeral for the mayor, dude, right? Well, yes, that is the next scene. Because, obviously, we see the Riddler, he straps something to D.A. Coulson, which is a collar bomb. So, either way, then we show that freaking, yeah, we're, there's a funeral for the dead mayor. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, we see normal Bruce Wayne show up. He's a fucking celebrity. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to talk to him, but he's a little recluse because, you know... His life kind of sucks a little bit. This is probably plus he's been Batmaning for like two years now, and he even yeah. he himself was like, "I've become a nocturnal creature." Yeah, it's funny. So daylight's not his thing. He's there. There's not a lot of Bruce Wayne in this movie. There's a lot of Batman. It's kind of the opposite of because Nolan's movies were always like, bro, like Christian Bale's like barely Batman in these movies. He's like mostly Bruce Wayne, but this is like almost all Batman. And the Bruce Wayne we do get 
This is a moody Bruce Wayne. <laughs> like, he's just like, you know what? I'm just doing the minimum. I really don't care. I kind of just want to Batman off. Yeah. And but he, either and way, he, there's yeah, a funeral. Yeah. He does see the mayor's kid, and he, like, sympathizes with them because his parents died. But we know that story. But uh, but he also sees that, the like, not going to lie, the mood here kind of seems sketch. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Riddler's here. And yes, we see a friggin' that rain, like, we see Coulson and his Range Rover crash through the funeral, which then he has a friggin' message strapped to his chest asking for the Batman, which then later we see Batman roll up and then he starts talking, he like rips off the note and then he starts talking to the Riddler. Which then the Riddler has... This scene was actually pretty sick. Because the Riddler has three riddles. And if the DA is able to answer them all correct, he would, you know, prevent the bomb from going off around his neck. But these riddles, the answers, were a little incri- would incriminate him. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first one's, like, the answer's justice. But then the second one is bribery. Which then he asks... D.A. Colson, how much would it take for you to be bribed? And he answers, I don't know, $10,000. Tens of thousands, yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars. And, and then the last riddle is basically asking, okay, who are you hiding? Or who are you, who are you protecting? Who is the rat? And he's like, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm dead either way. Yeah, either, th- I blow, this was, either I die here or I or I get like freaking hunted down. By yeah, it. this is intense because it's a two minute time limit, and he straight up tells Batman, he's like, look, it's like, look, if he kills me here, I'm dead. But if I but if I t- say who did it, um, you know, I'm he's, dead. Uh, he's like, I've got I've got family that they'll kill. So yeah, this dude decides to just clam up, and yeah, he explodes and dies, and Batman takes this explosion right to the face yes like it's not a huge one like there's no big damage there's no like hole in the ground but there's fire there's force he gets pushed back and yeah he just takes an explosion right to the face i'm like damn bat yeah i know which then freaking he wakes up at like the freaking police department which then we're hearing about like you know Basically, this point of story where this is kind of related to a historic drug bust that ended up, I guess, the ended the monster Salvatore Maroni's operation and dies. And I'm just like going a little, we're going like, I'm going a little ahead of what the fucking plot synopsis was because either way, Batman helps Colson answer the first two, but Colson refuses to answer the third, name the foreman who gave the GCPD informant information and that led to the historic drug bust ending mos, mo, mobster Salvatore Maroni. So now Batman and Gordon deduce that the informant maybe could be the penguin. He could be the rat. So in this like moment where like the whole police department are like freaking going like, hey, bats, you let some dude blow up. We're not stoking on that. And he's sitting there and is like, someone's a dirty informant and we mm-hmm. don't know. And like maybe the police is involved. And like you got one guy acting shady. He's like, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> What does that matter to you, vigilante boy? <laughs> You're not a cop. So, and like, police, and like, and like, obviously, Jim Gordon's like, hey, let me talk to him. And he's sitting there, he's like, all right, I got a key in my pocket, punch me in the face, run down the hallway. We'll meet up later. I'm not trusting these cops this, either. This scene got kind of turned into a meme that I actually saw before we saw the movie uh, because I think it's here or a little later or whatever. Batman asks Gordon, um, who's the cop with the broken nose? Because. Um, one thing we he forgot to mention earlier in the ice yeah. cl- uh, in the iceberg because we forgot to mention uh, we don't those have con- those contacts that Selena Kyle was wearing those things not to- not only did they act as cameras 
they were able to identify people that Bruce had, like, I guess, public access profiles to. So he was able to point out, like, oh, that's a cop. That's a cop. That's the DA. That's a di- that's someone else. That's a cop. That's narcotics. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there was, like, yeah, that was pretty solid. Seat. So the meme was, so the meme was. I just could say Wikipedia doesn't have that specifically. So the meme was, uh, who's the cop with the broken nose? There's a pause. The bam, uh, Batman punches Gordon and then just runs out. <laughs> it was kind of funny when we watched it too, because like, because like, <laughs> he just sucker punches Gordon. And the thing about this movie, there's humor, but it's like casual dark humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just more subtle. Yeah, which you know, I, I think there was enough humor to make it. Some people thought that this movie was still a little unbalanced when it came to the tone. Like I still thought, s- the balance was fine. I I knew I walking this was, in, and I this, this was going to be yeah a little bit more straight, like a serious kind of darkish movie. I I was thinking Penguin would at least get a laugh or two, but uh, no, there's like genuinely some funny stuff that happens, you know. And it's not like ha 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 funny. It's more like oh, that's a warm chuckle funny to break it up. So I thought the balance of pacing in this movie was good. Yeah, but yeah. So after he runs out. Um, Basically, they discover Maroney's operation was trans was transferred to Falcone, which they like go to a warehouse and it's like, oh hey, this drug operation's going on, and it's like forget, like Gordon's like, wait, I thought we like ended this operation. Why is this continuing? And then Batman's like, I don't think this operation ever ended. Yeah. So they go in. So basically, but then we see Selena Kyle, i.e. Catwoman, roll up, and basically forget intervert like she. Rolls up, causes a little bit of scene. Batman tries to tell her to calm down. She cracks open a trunk of the car. She finds the dead body of her friend and then also is trying to steal some money. But yeah, then also f- the penguin comes out for a giant shootout. Yeah, that was Please fucked. Please fill in some blanks. Yeah, that was fucked up because it's like, oh, there's just her friend's dead body staring her right in the face. I'm like, oh, that's messed up because uh, her friend was trying to like desperately get out of town because she was scared. But yeah, um, they're about to make the trade. But then... um. It was I think Selena blows their cover or something, but uh Yeah, she like blows the cover. There's a shootout yeah, and the shootout. penguin like I think was able to shoot like what shoot down Batman, but then when he tries to go up to see if there's a corpse, there's no Batman body there where he shot him. And yeah. then we get a scene where we hear a car engine start and then oh, this dude. is like a fucking Batmobile. It's kind of legit terrifying. This Batman. What do you think about the Batman in this story? He's legit kind of a terrifying being. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I noticed. Uh, I was. I was listening to some people talk about, it and I could hear it too. Like listening to the soundtrack, it's not a lot, but they throw in some like actual like horror vibes with the music, with stuff with Riddler, and with stuff with Batman too. Like there's a couple times where Batman even made me jump. Where I'm like, oh damn, and this scene was one of them because because you hear this engine roar, these lights turn on. This bright blue flame shot out the back of the car. And here's the thing uh, about appara- this Batmobile. Yeah. This is one of the more tamer looking. I think this might be the tamest looking this Batmobile. This Batmobile is actually, to me, kind of like, it feels like a mixture of like like Adam West and like Michael Keaton's Batmobile. Because Adam West's Batmobile was kind of just like a car, you know? But Michael Keaton's Batmobile, uh, my, uh, my dad always explained to me, was kind of just a souped up Corvette. That's why my dad used to have a Corvette. He used to call it the Batmobile because, of course, he did. But, um, but yeah, you know, this isn't like this is not. Also, I think your dad likes Batman. Oh, dad likes Batman. He uh, he used to buy comics, but none of my brothers were really into it, so he eventually stopped. But when I started getting the comics, he was like, "Man, I wish I kept most of those." (laughs) 
because those could have been collector's items or you could have had them. I'm like, yeah, no worries. Uh, like you could predict the future. I like this Batmobile. Um, Batmobiles. Oh, I thought this Batmobile was pretty sick. I thought this Batmobile like, was It's great. the most like tame, most tame looking one. It just looks like a fucking pre It looks like just a Samuel there's no like. There's no like crazy computers. There's no like, oh, Bat, you know, the Batmobile gets turned on its side and then the wheels do some hydraulic mechanics no, where they shift lifted, and turn. No, it's a lifted muscle car with a freaking rocket propelled <laughs> engine in the back. Yeah, I like it. And it's not like the rocket propelled engine the whole entire time is like pushing the car. That's just a little speed boost. Yeah, yeah. It's, which it's, we're getting a pretty fucking sick like car chase scene. Oh, this car Here's chase the thing about this movie too. The action felt like a John Wick movie. Oh, dude, the freaking car. Like, it was a little bit more like freaking like grounded action. Yeah, like I'm going to simp over this Batmobile uh, for another second, but like this car chase was sexy. Oh, this was like a fucking, <sighs> I, was, I was like, this is like the fucking best, dude, this is like the best movie right now. This fucking car oh, chase scene man. is so good. Because Batman goes after Penguin. And, and, the thing and like, I, I like Penguin because he's just legit trying <laughs> to get away from this scary fucking loud just car. <laughs> and the car is like freaking winding V8 engine it's yeah, just yeah. like just chasing him down and he's just trying to get away it's like fuck dude this, this is car really is great and you know what uh, the batmobiles ever since the christian bale ones basically just became like the christian bale basically batmobile. fucking tanks well yeah but it got even crazier because like wasn't it in the third one where the batmobile was able to fly like it wasn't even the batwing like he just made the batmobile able to fly well dude like batman has like a fucking bat jet and shit. Well, yeah. He's always had the wacky, like, freaking, like... But then I remember when they released Arkham Knight, the last uh, Arkham game, people gave that shit because, like, oh, this is just a tank. Because, oh, yeah, it, it could, like, it could, like, drive on walls if you hit it right. It, it had a... You could run over people, but they wouldn't die because the Batmobile was equipped with, like, an electric thing that shocked people. So you would hit them... But right before you hit them, a blast of electricity, like, knocked them out of the way. And you literally fired tank rounds, but they weren't actual bullet shells. They were, like, anti-personnel concussive mines. So you could just shoot those at dudes and, like, oh, yeah, they're not dead. But at the same time, freaking... They're not dead. But at the same time, Scarecrow is sending, like, tanks after you because he hired a militia. It's a long story to kill you. And those same rounds are, like are like helping blow up tanks but that's the thing the Batmobile is equipped with like a straight up machine gun but it's only for the robots now I didn't have a problem with that because I'm like this is fucking titties but a lot of people are like it's just was Batman driving a tank so well this Batman wasn't driving a tank long story short I love this Batmobile I love that it's just a souped up car yeah because that's kind of what the Batmobile was it's just a souped up car, so once he, and that's what this is. So once he captures the penguin, oh dude, and then him, and then Batman, and then Commissioner Gordon were doing a little quip, saying things back <clears> and forth, and the penguin going like, "Hey, you guys gonna harmonize next or what?" It's like, "Are oh, you the a, rat?" There was, a and he's like, "No." Why would I ever be the rat? There was a Were great, you the foreman on this like that? And he's like, no. And if I did know, I wouldn't tell you guys. There was a great line from Penguin where he's like, hey, what's this supposed to be? You good cop? You bat shit? You bat shit crazy cop? Or something? Yeah. But but when he actually like, there's a, there's a sequence during the end of the chase where Penguin knocks over like one of those big fuel containers that explodes, right? And he's like, I got you. But yeah, then, he knocks over a semi truck, but then freaking... 
Batman and just hits the fucking like the like afterburner booster and it just freaking goes up this one ramp and then just flies over because he's just like you see just flames yeah. semi trucks over basically the whole road's blocked and like Penguin's like relief I got away from him and you just hear the whining just fucking rocket propelled car <laughs> launch up and just fly into his car and you just see the Penguin's just car just up in the air yeah just like rotates like who knows oh, like dude, 15 the times shot, the shot of Batman walking up to penguin from penguin's perspective where he's walking upside down and there's rain and fire in the background it's like that's so fucking awesome yeah no that's pretty fucking serious shot and then we get the interrogation yeah which then they also tell their clue that was in spanish but then the penguin's like it yeah, seems like, like your spanish is bad yeah it's because, not l because it because the clue was like la rada la rada lada something like which basically translates to uh a rat with wings or a stool pigeon. And Penguin is basic I'm paraphrasing, but Penguin is basically like, hey, what you guys you got you guys you guys don't know Spanish. You don't know the difference between L and La. And basically tells them they've been reading the clue wrong. You read the clue wrong, guy. Because and it's like, well, I guess we read the clue wrong. But he points them in a different direction. Yeah, because he's like, because he's like a rat with wings. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a freaking bat. And Batman's just shook. He's like, oh, I didn't even consider that. But me and my dad, who are Mexican, are just laughing. Because I, I lean over to him and I'm like, hey, dad, Batman can't speak Spanish. Oh, no. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Well, that was kind of a funny, lighthearted scene. And then he just abandoned the penguin there, still like all zip tied at his legs and hands. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you sons of bitches! I love penguin. So then eventually Batman and Gordon follow Riddler's trail to the orphan to ruins of an orphan like orphanage mm -hmm. that was funded by Bruce's parents. And uh people are Oh wait, what was the wait, where did they get the hint for this fucking um to go to the orphanage? Oh, um I'm trying to remember what was that shit. Did someone else die? Uh, or did fucking was it when the like the DA died? That was I know when, great radio people. <laughs> we can't remember a movie. Sorry, I wasn't whipping out my phone and taking notes in the movie theater. If I could, I would. Maybe I should have sat in the very back and away from people and just been like taking mad notes. But either way, I, they yeah, I just up, know they're at the orphanage. Now. They end up at some way where it goes up to an orphanage where I guess the Riller was from. And they learn that the Riddler holds a grudge against the Wayne family, which then like Batman realizes, oh shit, I might be the next target. And he mob, tries to mob back to his spot, but Alfred's been fucking got Alfred. Alfred opened up a package that had a bomb, and Alfred got freaking bombarded, or just got nailed, but nailed with a bomb. Yeah, exactly. Which then we freaking like is like he's now hospitalized and more sad, Bruce Wayne. <clears throat> And then the Riddler leaks evidence that Thomas Wayne, who is Bruce Wayne's dad, was running for mayor before he was murdered, mm -hmm. and that he might, and he hired Mr. Falcone to kill a journalist that was threatening to reveal an embarrassing detail about Bruce's mother Martha's history of mental illness. Yeah, she because um, so so to anyone that doesn't know, um, so the Waynes are always considered like the people that founded Gotham in the modern sense, but. There's been, the Waynes and the Arkhams. Well, in in old stories, the Arkhams are kind of like long gone by the time the Waynes come around. But the last like big testament to their legacy is Arkham Asylum. This movie does something really different that I think is really interesting. Uh, it actually is like, hey, these two families are like connected, 
and uh yeah um which is cool um so but yeah his mom's been in and out of the asylum and uh uh the idea that they're painting now is oh thomas didn't want that to get out because it hurt his public image while so, running for mayor yeah so which then also like bruce wayne then has an existential crisis believing that his father <clears throat> was basically a boy scout yeah that's We're, kind of an idea that they've been toying with in dc for a while because you remember when telltale made those batman games um, like those little episodic Batman games are the guys that made the Walking Dead games. So either way, when like Bruce went, yeah. Yeah, the reason I bring that up is because in that game, you know, it toys with your expectations because Thomas and Martha Wayne are always considered to be like the only like real like good people in Gotham. But in that game, it's like, oh man, wait, no, they're kind of bad. Same thing with this one. It's like, wait a minute, Thomas and Martha Wayne were bad people? Oh no, which then Bruce then goes <laughs> talk to Falcone, which he tells him that about like freaking this journalist that might have caused an issue and he might have done some of he might have killed him, he might have not. All he knows, his father told him to bring fear, the fear of God, into him, and then he might have. And then Falconian like implies I might have killed him, but then Bruce goes talks to Alfred. He's like, "Hey, did you know about this?" And yes, but your father was a little reluctant, and when he did do that, he wasn't too stoked. Which then he felt Falcone have leverage on him. Which yeah. then he told Falcone, "You know what? Screw it. I'm going to turn myself in and tell the cops about what I just did and stuff." Which then he believes that Falcone might have had. Ta- might have had friggin' Bruce Wayne's parents killed mm-hmm. out of revenge or to prevent him. Yeah. So, and it's like, all right, so then Batman's like, okay. And then, okay, I'm trying to figure it out. Fuck, there was something we forgot. <laughs> so, after the orphanage, before Falcone, this, we forgot to mention Alfred gets attacked. We did talk about him getting bombed. Oh, you mentioned that? Yeah. Oh, fuck, never mind. I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm talking about, yeah, he got <clears throat> bombed, but, like, okay. right after, like, they at the orphanage, they realized that Bruce Wayne was the next attack. All right. Sorry, guys. I'm just a himbo. Yeah, dude. I'm going out the best of notes. And then, so, freaking after he talks to freaking Alfred, now we see Batman meet up with Catwoman again. Yeah. And, he t- and she tells him that Falcone, she drops the truth bomb that Falcone is actually my father. Which is something. Neglectful father. Which is something that has not been done in comics. I think they tried to like sort of imply it in like the long Halloween comic, which this movie took inspiration from. But they never actually full on were ever like, oh yeah, no, Selena Kyle is Falcone's kid. So I thought that was kind of neat. Oh yeah. So yeah, she says that because I guess it's like, yeah, no, Falcone just might have just knocked up her mom. And then he just doesn't know of her existence. Mm-hmm. And then basically she like freaking decides that she wants to kill him, learning that freaking like he had her friend Anika killed because mm-hmm. Mitchell told her that Falcone was the foreman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mayor, which I think I might have missed that while like watching the movie, which because there's a moment where like they get a phone call and then we hear Falcone actually kill. They like show a freaking voicemail where Anika is killed by Falcone after she learned that like freaking he was the informant. Oh, yeah, no, because she because she captures uh she captures somebody. I think it's the, yeah, one she, of the guys that Batman. Broke it was the, the fucking nose cop off. that he broke the nose. Yeah, just yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, don't have fucking notes. I'm sorry, listeners. It's hard to remember, but not gonna lie, this revelation was pretty fucking sick. No, it was good. This movie's awesome. You yeah, especially when it's like, oh shit, Falcone's the informant, bro. No way. Yeah, there was a lot of twists and turns, and like, and then yeah, broken nose cop then brings the truth bomb. Lol. Falcone. Also, we forgot to mention the renewal plan. That like freaking when yeah, that Bruce was... Wayne's dad, Thomas Wayne, was like when he was running for mayor, yeah. he wanted to do a renewal plan, which was like a donation fund to help put back into Gotham. But 
when he got killed by the informant Falcone, which then we learned the truth bomb that Falcone has been the mayor of Gotham for 22 years, basically. Yeah. Because he runs all the underground and has been using that renewal fund to fund his operation. Worth noting, there's a woman running for mayor. It's never said or even implied that she's on his payroll, so I think she's clean. But yeah, the that it's exactly what you said. The idea is is that it doesn't matter. It's kind of like Mexico. Like Falcone, like basically Falcone was like the main like head. Like yeah. he was the informant to get rid of like someone else so that he could take over Gotham and in the drug running operation and then have like all the crooked cops and the crooked mayor on his payroll. It's kind of like Mexico's government, where you know what it doesn't matter who's president because the illegal mafia is actually the one running everything yeah okay so then after here um basically catwoman's going off to go kill falcone but then batman and jim gordon are gonna try to stop her they arrive at the iceberg lounge and then basically we see batman he like sneaks in he punches out the twin guards Mm -hmm. he like goes down he cuts out the power and rise about like freaking catwoman's about to shoot falcone batman rolls up he stops like he's he basically stops Catwoman from killing Falcone and they and like he subdues Falcone and basically gets word that, oh, hey, you're the informant, which that like well, there's a great scene because once they bring Falcone outside, it's like it ain't going to matter anyway. What? You're going to hold me up in jail for a day? Yeah. Like a big whoop. I'll just get on out. And then like Penguin's like, oh, you're the fucking rat. It's like oh, <laughs> yeah. like Penguin was about to try to kill him. But then freaking Falcone gets sniped by the Riddler. Yeah. Which then it's like, which also there was a riddle, like a riddle too. It's like, hey, bring the rat out into the like daylight into the light. Yeah. Into the light. And I'll reveal my location, which he's been across the iceberg lounge this whole entire time, guys. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we didn't really uh, mention it, but Falcone. Yeah, because we don't movie- have fucking proper notes. <laughs> no, not that. I mean, the, uh, Falcone is a character. I mean, uh, this dude was slimy. Like he's fucked up. Like they confirmed that you know they confirmed that he killed Selena Kyle's mom and her friend, and they made it a they didn't really like touch on it too much but they made it a thing to where like it's really like noticeable he has a thing for strangling like as he's trying to strangle selena he's like there's also like two we heard him strangle selena's friend yeah and nico over the phone and as he's strangling he's like you think i want to do this this hurts me you know and i'm like dude this guy's fucked up (laughs) this hurts me you know either way falcone gets like shot so they raid the apartment but oopsie he's gone not really, because then he's like, oh, I'm in the diner just across the block, a, co- blo- a couple blocks down. Yeah, yeah. And they raid him and they arrest him, which then the Riddler then friggin' like, ass. Wait, what's this? What do you see? No, I'm just trying to look at friggin'. Well, what I remember happening was they arrest him and then Batman's investigating the uh, the apartment with the cops. Yeah. So I'm just trying to like go, yeah, because like they arrest the Riddler, they are like investigating, you know, just looking around his apartment, getting clues, but then the Batman gets word that the Riddler wants to talk to him in Arkham State Hospital. Sorry, I was totally just like, because I was totally just tripping out, because like right here is like Batman and Gordon arrive in the Iceberg Lounge in time to stop her, but the Riddler kills Falcone and he is arrested. The Riddler is unmasked as a forensic accountant, Edward Nashton, and is incarcerated in Arkham State Hospital, where he where he laminates about failing to kill Bruce Wayne. Yeah, because then Batman comes up, and he's, like, free and sit, like saying, like, Bruce Wayne, and the Batman thinks, ah, damn it, this guy figured out my identity. But the more he talks, he realizes, okay, 
He doesn't know that I am Bruce Wayne. He just goes, damn it, I didn't kill Bruce Wayne. He's the one guy I didn't wasn't able to get to. Yeah. God damn it. And kind of thing. But then also like tells him that, like, oh, I thought you were smarter. You haven't figured out my whole plan. Oh, whoa. Look at that. Well, TikTok, Batman. Go figure out what my whole plan was. Haha. Here's the thing about this thriller. This dude was pretty great psychopath. This dude was crazy. Like, I'll be on like I'll be honest. Like he's like dude, he portrayed a great unsettling crazy person. He honestly, I was watching him and and it's only just because the movie's still kind of fresh in my mind that it reminds me so much of him. But a lot of his vibes kind of reminded me of um of Arthur from Joker. Did you did you see Joker? Oh uh, no, I have not seen the oh, Joker. Bro, you gotta fucking watch Joker. Watch but anyway, Joker. but anyway, um, he kind of reminded me a lot of that. This is a different Riddler. I mean, Riddler's been like dark before and stuff, but he hasn't been like this. Is the darkest treatment I'm pretty sure Riddler's ever. Well, dude, gotten. they made him the fucking Zodiac killer in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and and I know some people took issue with it because you know, like you know, people have an issue with them making Riddler and Joker too dark because they're supposed to be you know whatever. But I think Riddler makes a great Zodiac killer. Like, I know I shouldn't say that, but that's basically what he is. Or like the bad guy from, what was that movie with like Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in the 90s? Was that called Seven? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he got a lot of comparisons. Riddler in this movie got a lot of comparisons of the guy, the bad guy from that movie. And honestly, Riddler makes a really good, uh, you know, Zodiac killer, serial killer. So yeah, the next Batman rolls back into his apartment to look around. Oh yeah, there was a cop earlier in this movie that harassed Batman. Was it Martinez? Well, he yeah. like goes up in there and then he like freaking Batman looks at one like through the evidence and we look at the Riddler's main like weapon of choice for bludgeoning people. And like Martinez goes, oh, hey, that's a carpeting tool. That's a freaking uh, that's a carpet. Tu- that's a carpet tucker. And he's like carpet. He like freaking like cracks open the carpet and then sees the next clue that realizes, oh, dang, what's the last of his plan? Which then like was also a, like a code for his like last post. Was basically saying like, oh yeah, I'm gonna blow up the friggin' like I'm gonna blow up. What was it? Hold it. Well, he well, placed seven vans across the city. Yeah, basically he like stationed seven vans across like this thing that like holds the water back from go flooding into Gotham, which then like those bombs explode and basically then we just got a big like friggin' like breakwaters or whatever. Basically, Gotham's yeah. getting flooded. I was like, what the fuck is this, New Orleans? For real or something. Either way, so yeah, like now Gotham's getting flooded, and then a Riller has like organized all these incel guys to have a friggin' like <laughs> basically have a like assault in Madison Square Garden where like the new mayor elect is like that lady is getting elected as mayor. Well, they weren't really incel, they were more like, you know, fringe conspiracy theories. If you ask me, I, th- I think Riddler's whole thing was meant to be an uh was meant to be an allegory of like, you know, the Capitol Stormers yeah. in a way. But it, but yes, you are right. They raid this building. The idea is they're like, they they're, want to like, raid. They've like all set it up. They're yeah, ready yeah, to like shoot down. In, like yeah. yeah, they shoot down. Like for, they're ready to shoot down the new mayor and everything and flood out Gotham. But then like right as like this is like people are like trying to get away from the flooding and everyone's trying to evacuate into Madison Square Garden and shit. Also freaking like. The assassination attempts start happening, but oh, Batman comes in exploding the freaking glass roof. That was like, that was so extra. 
But it was awesome. So it comes down. We get in the climactic fight as like him is like fighting off all these dudes with like random rifles. Also, like Jim Gordon rolls up to help. And then also like Catwoman comes up to help. And basically we got a six scene where there's one moment where you like freaking like hanging from this one thing. But he sets up a little smoke bomb thing. And uh-huh. people's like, like you see like the fucking goons are like, hey, where's the bats? And you just see him just like a screech and pop out like the fucking fog like a total like just jump scare that was awesome and yeah but then one guy with a shotgun's able to like knock him down and then freaking like catwoman fights him off and she's trying to wake up freaking old batman here but then like the shotgun dude takes it like is like subduing catwoman so then he shoots himself with some adrenaline and then he goes on and beats the shit yeah i saw that and i leaned over to my dad and i'm just like did batman just do drugs you know what that reminded me of? It's like, okay, you know that stuff that Bane always jacks himself up with? I think it's called... Um, Venom. Venom, yeah. I thought that's what that was for a second because there was actually... I don't remember if they did this before or after Bane came along, but I do know at one point they did do a story of the creation of Venom where Batman actually like straight up became like addicted to it. Like he was using it to help him, you know, keep him awake to fight crime and able and eventually became came like super duper dependent on it and then eventually it found its way to bane because i think it was i think like dr strange not dr strange no yeah dr strange i forgot dr hugo strange i think he's the one that created it oh yeah there is a dr hugo strange yeah that man has a couple villains (laughs) he's got at least like 12 no he's got like 30 bro i can name a good amount of them but anyway um but yeah he shoots himself with that piece of shit out of this guy and there's this cool scene where the cops unmask him and throughout the movie uh selena kyle keeps calling batman vengeance it's like come on vengeance come on vengeance and then riddler a couple times is like i'm vengeance and then they unmask this dude and they ask and who Gordon, are you and, and he's like, like who the hell are you he's like me i'm vengeance and then batman realizes what have i done <laughs> yeah go around playing vengeance yeah because i know the movie's not over yet but something but i was i was reading up a bit like you know before uh we got going and uh People in that analyzing the movie are, have noticed it's kind of like, you know, the similarities between like Catwoman, Batman and uh, the Riddler. They were all orphans and they all have like an interesting relationship with violence. Like Batman and Riddler both take to using violence as trying to change things, but in different ways. And Catwoman only does seems to do violence in kind of a last like a um like as a short-term solution kind of thing. And I just thought that was really neat. And then, yeah. um, Oh my God. And then this next scene that happened was so beautiful. I almost started crying in theaters. So basically the next scene was that there was like this giant, like electrical thing swinging around Batman and just goes, jumps on it, slices it. So basically cutting electric current and then falls down into the flooded, like bottom of Madison square garden. He pops up a flare and he goes, walks over to the rubbish of where like the, where the new mayor elect is like being like kind of held under. He cracks, like he opens up the rubble, but people are too scared because Batman's a, an intimidating looking guy. But the first person to take his arm is, I think, the kid. Yes, it is. The yeah, kid. the orphan kid. And then everyone follows, and then eventually, and then, you know, he, you know, it's all dark in there, but he's got this flare and he's like leading the way through it and stuff. And it's, it's, it's this nice scene. And then, you know, it's daytime. He's helping people uh, into the, he's helping people get medical 
um, attention and again, and basically it's a scene. Yeah, yeah, like the national guards coming and helping the people like yeah. evacuate from the top or people that need help evacuate from the top of Madison Square Garden. And then this is the point <laughs> where Flex is like, "Hey, I've been going on saying I'm the vengeance, but you know what the city really needs is hope." Yes, and, and, it's, then, and it's like that's awesome. Whatever. And then next we see one last dialogue between Catwoman or Selena Kyle and freaking Batman. They talk. But basically, Celia Kyle's like, I'm going to go upstate New York. I'm getting out of Gotham. I'm out. I'm going later. And he's like, all right, cool. Well, by upstate New York. You know, oh, blood, there's also, anything. yeah, they also had a, like, you know, weird, like, freaking romance in this movie, too. We totally, like, They always that. have a romance. Yeah, there's always a romance with, like, Batman and freaking Catwoman. And then, yeah, they go their separate ways. Um, and, and that's how the that's movie ends. ends. Yeah. yeah, we just see Batman just mobbing on his motorcycle. Oh, we, for, we did forget to mention one scene before that. Oh, yeah? So Riddler's chilling in Arkham Asylum. Oh, yes. And then he's sad because his thing ended. And then some guy in there gets his attention. And he's like, hey, man, don't feel bad. So I forget what it is. But basically, it ends with, um, you don't see what he looks like, but you can just barely make out a toothy grin. Dude, it's, and then well, he, you get, you can, you, yeah, they're trying the to imply it's the Joker. Yeah. Are we going to get another Robert Pattinson movie? I don't know. This was pretty Oh, sick. actually, about that. So... DC has enough faith in this movie. They want to create a shared universe around it. It's not connected to DCU, but yeah, this is going to be its own thing. There's two sequels planned and there were two shows planned. One got canceled and now there's two more shows. The original, one of the original shows was going to be a spinoff on based on Gotham PD. I don't know if it was going to take before or after the movie, but you know, that's, it was basically going to be kind of a uh you know a crime drama set in gotham the next one was is which it, it with which colin farrell's returning for is going to be uh penguin because if you remember selena kyle's like there's going to be a massive power grab and it was kind of setting up penguin to like you know and that's what that show's going to be about it's going to about be his his rise to power well in penguin gotham. was a pretty sick character so and then the third and then the new series that they're going to work on is going to be based in arkham asylum um, is what they want to do, and they want to give they the, they described it as they want to give it horror vibes and make Arkham Asylum feel like a haunted house. So yeah, the Robert Pattinson verse is uh, is, is 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 kicking off. <laughs> They're gonna try like and like look this like movie, if you want to ask this movie itself, this movie totally kicked ass. Oh, it kicks a lot ass. Dude, is this the best Batman movie? I don't know. I'll let you debate that. I'll make it quick because we've been having our guitar players sit outside for now over like 30, almost to 40 minutes now. Almost. So what do you think of this Batman movie? Is it the I best think, one? I see. I'm trying to think because like. It's definitely a really good movie. Each Batman, each of the, when people say the, the best Batman movies, they usually mean um, first Keaton, Dark Knight, and they're probably going to say this one too. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know. Here's they, the thing: they all this have comes great strengths. It comes down to all your flair. The Keaton one was a little bit more cartoonish, kind of like how the Batman was. It's like dark, but there was also a little bit like elaborate set design. Yeah, it's kind of comic booky. Yeah, kind of comic booky. Then you have freaking like um, the Dark Knight with the the Christopher Nolan. Which Batman. one? That one's pretty like kind of like it's kind of like a big budget, kind of like super. That one's like 
grit. That one's like gritty, grounded in reality too. There's yeah, like, but this one was more gritty and grounded in reality. No, this one was gritty, but this one still felt like a comic book movie. The the Nolan movies never felt like comic book movies. They felt like movies that just happened to have characters named after comic book characters. That's how grounded in reality they felt. And I know it's hard to say that when you know Bruce Wayne has the freaking rocket propelled bat jet and survives a nuclear bomb. But but yeah, this movie felt like a happy medium between the two. Yeah, but this I, I, also felt like it was kind of a thriller. It was like kind of like a detective mystery. I feel like I would need to like rewatch most of those Batman like movies. I'm gonna be honest. Little... I'm gonna be honest. This might just be the best Batman movie in theaters. This is definitely one of the best best Batman movies. It's really good. It has really good action. If you want to ask Pacing's me, go good. fucking go watch it. Yeah, yeah, go watch it. Go enjoy it. I don't know. Batman's fucking kill- killer. Sorry if I'm like rushing to wrap up this podcast. Alone. We've gone like an hour and fifty three minutes. That's not, that's not too long. And we've like had us. like a guy waiting outside for a minute. Well, yeah, but still, yeah, Batman. Yeah, I know. Great. Like, yeah, fuck him because he's our good friend, so we can say fuck him. But yeah, no, this movie totally kicked ass. I don't know what we're watching next week. Did I say a suggestion? Yeah, we had a few suggestions. All right, what was the suggestions? I was hoping you remembered. Fucking no. God damn it. We talked about this like three days ago. All right, listeners. I'll let that just be a surprise. All right. Okay. And then last remarks. If not, this was the Triple D Radio Show with your host, James and Edward. I hope you have a good one. Adios. Go watch this movie.